Hey, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty sweet, really. I mean, today, the symptoms, I think, of being in isolation kind of, um, they're, for a lot of people, you don't really notice them. They're quite insidious. Yeah. You know, so like today, I just realised I was grumpy. I just realised I was, I just felt a bit fed up. Yeah. I think what I tend, what I tend to have is, so I was trying to think about this, like what's the closest I get to depression? I think it's my um, obsessive mind that can fixate on a negative thought, like an injustice or an incident of rudeness or a snide comment. And then it can kind of take over me to the point where I can't really read a book without realising I've read three pages and not taking in a single word because I'm mulling over this same thing. Yeah. And that's about as close as I can get, so it's nowhere near, right? Because depression is like being in a hole Whereas what I'm talking about is more like having like a mozzie bite that you can't reach. <laughs> or yeah. a sneeze that won't come out or something like that. Yeah. It's just a mild irritation rather than a depth of, of um, inescapability. Yeah. Do you reckon you remember the your camping trip because of the photograph or because you were taken to a totally original environment that wasn't your home? Do you know what I mean? Right, of that camping oh, yeah. trip, particularly. Yeah. Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. Get the bridge that you crossed and, you know. So, so without... The that we found. In the what, sorry? The snake skin that we found. In England? The, the snakes. Yeah, in England, yeah, there's adders. In, yeah. the, in the Bracken. Oh, there's okay. adders in the Bracken. <laughs> Kia ora. this is a conversation with Eamon Mara about his debut novel called 2,000 Feet Above Worry Level, and it's published by Victoria University Press. Uh, the dedication inside the novel reads, For My Friends, which I think is indicative of the generosity that Eamon has shown in his excavation of that feeling of helplessness one has inside a system that appears ambivalent towards them. Uh, which sounds heavy, but it doesn't feel heavy when you read Eamon's work because of the craft and the humour and the honesty with which he writes. It makes his burden appear lighter than it almost certainly is. Uh, we had a really great chat and I hope you enjoy. and now they're taking over literature well <laughs> it's like like i, I don't i don't think i like i wasn't a comedian first i was a writer first and then i started doing comedy but then i got good at writing afterwards i like right. started doing writing serious like i started writing when i was like 19 20 and i started doing comedy when i was 22 but i don't think it was until i was in my mid-20s that i got any good at writing at all so i, I wasn't a comedian first i've always done both um but it's just I've had much more success in comedy earlier than I did in writing. David's, I heard David Sedaris say recently that he uses um, the audience as his editor. So he'll go on tour. Well, he won't be going on tour <laughs> now, but he um, would go on tour and read his stuff to the audience. And when there were flat moments in the audience, he would then edit that out of, of the story he was working on. Um, and was your comedy related to your writing or was it totally separate? Um, well, I, d I do that when I do stand up, um, is I'll like keep working on things until it's right and I'll know what jokes land and what jokes don't. Um, and like, I think the comedy and writing are related, but not as closely as that. Um, like there are jokes in the book that I try, I've tried on stage and some of them like worked on stage and some of them didn't. There's a story in the book, which was basically adapted from a show I made, um, you know, quite, quite, a, quite, a, it's quite a lot different. But there are some jokes that you know have have made their way across. But like, I think after doing comedy for years, I, I have a pretty good sense of what's funny and what's not, and also what's funny to me and what's not. Like, if if I think something's funny, um, and nobody else does when I'm it's on st when I'm on stage, it's like that's not a good joke. But like, because this 
book as mine and like when I wrote it I had a like a very niche audience in mind which was people who are exactly like me um and like <laughs> like yeah. I think I can be a bit more um just selfish with writing because also like the jokes aren't the point of the book like I think the jokes are, are, are a really important part of the book but like yeah it's not like in comedy where the jokes are like the most important thing I don't think the jokes are the most important thing in this book yeah yeah so because it's and it's impossible to know isn't it with the context in which it's being read and there's kind of like a momentum I imagine when you're when you're playing comedy yeah and like you know when something has come to an end like a, a, a something that was funny has come to an end that you can't know on the page yeah and people who are going to a comedy show are going there to laugh and you know I'm sure because this book is being um like lots of people have said it's funny in the like um reviews and marketing and stuff like some people yeah. will be reading it expecting a laugh but I think you know if you're picking up a book you're not expecting to laugh in the same way as you are going to a comedy show unless you're yeah. picking up, like if you get a book from the humor section maybe you will um which like David Sedaris is that right like he's known as a humorist um yeah and I like I love his writing and I think he's um great but like often his books are found in like the comedy section of a bookstore and I I didn't want that for my book and I was a bit nervous of being typecast as like a comedian when writing a book because I like I, that's that's not what I want want to run that's not how I want people to read my work yeah yeah like I think the funniest book I've ever read is Priest Daddy by Patricia Lockwood yeah and um, yeah, yeah like I probably only had a few like laugh out loud uh, moments in that book um and I often find the things that make me laugh out loud are like real dumb jokes that take you by surprise or things like that. Like my favorite joke in Patricia Lockwood's book, which I laughed every time it said was like about her dad's love for submarines. That was like my yeah. favorite, favorite bit of that book was um, in that, like I laughed out loud in those, those bits, but it's like, that's not a, like an important joke or like a, a real clever thing. It's just like a weird thing that gives you this information about this character or this real person. Yeah. That, that's a memoir isn't it um yeah Daddy. it is um yeah but such a strong voice definitely and like yeah like that's a it's another book that's incredibly funny that like could almost be in a in the like humor section of a bookshop but like it would lose something if it was put in there i think like i think people are taking comedy more and more seriously but it's probably comes down to like intent like if you're reading yeah. something looking for jokes and like that's the thing that you're paying the most attention to um whereas like if you're reading something looking for um i don't know why people read anything else <laughs> like you yeah. like the jokes the jokes can be part of that but it's um it's, yeah you usually don't have the intent of of reading looking for for humor yeah 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 totally um so i'll start at the start of the novel so you've is it was it um three pizzas published first as a short story no right? it was um Santa the Christmas Hedgehog was published first. It okay. was um, published in Turbine in 2016. And then yeah. the next thing that was published was Dog Farm Food Game in Sport in 2017. Okay. Uh, and then I think it was Three Pizzas. I don't, like, half the book is... I think, yeah, half the book has been published independently as short stories around the place. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I, I think you've really, like, you've pulled off something quite amazing by because it's very hard i know in new zealand to get a collection of short stories published if you're a debut novelist but you have kind of managed to do that in a roundabout way because it feels like a novel and the character the strain runs through but as i was reading it because i love reading short stories that's kind of the, the that's what i love to read the most i think um and like it, it felt there's short story craft going on there and the short story is quite a different thing than the novel yeah but you've managed to tie it together with, um yeah well, short stories are my favorite thing to write and to read. And like when I was first talking to VUP about this, we were we were using the term like short story collection. But I was like I did work quite a lot to like turn it into a sort of a novel in a way, but like I think it's both a novel and a short story collection when when people um like I I'm happy to pay for people to read it as either it's it's being published as a novel cuz you know that sells more and people are more likely to read it um if it's called a novel for some reason and like and, and i think a lot of it is just me tricking people into reading short stories but like 
I also think like it's not like I'm lying by calling it a novel because I think it is as well but it is also a collection of short stories so you said you're doing some writing in your 20s but was it just all for yourself in notebooks stashed under your bed sort of thing uh, no, I, I like sent lots of things into um, to journals that just never got right. published. Oh, not right. lots. Like I think I'd send like one thing into Landfall, and they'd say no, and then I'd be like, okay, well, yeah. I'm never submitting there again, um, <laughs> and just did that with kind of all of the journals until um, yeah, and then I eventually got um, into the IML and then started getting published sort of that year. Um, but I also had done like I had some stuff written on the wireless, the RNZ website that's now defunct and um yeah yeah, i think maybe a couple of other places where i got like little bits of non-fiction-y essay type stuff published i also like wrote music reviews for the corner for a few years and um which is like another now defunct website and um i had a blog for like many many years which i'd post my writing on uh right so like i was always quite public and in a way but um never sort of in these sort of established journals and my fiction never got published anywhere right okay okay and then so you so you go you apply for IML get in and you're in there as a short story writer with with the intention of writing short stories yeah that was my pitch to them and that's what what I got accepted as and that's what I wrote like the the manuscript I handed in at the end of the year um was was a collection of short stories yeah okay um, and so, but VUP, and so they pick it up and you're thinking short stories, a collection of short stories, but turn around, how was it working with an editor at VUP compared to like the the workshop process of having 12 people kind of commenting on your work for a year? Um, it was a really different experience. I kind of um, was surprised at how, I guess, gentle the editing was, like, and I guess it makes sense, right? Because like, if they want to publish your book, they kind of already like or think the tone is right, all those sorts of things. And like, it's just about tweaking it to to make sure it does that. Whereas it like in the workshop process, often you're not even quite sure what you're trying to do, or the people reading it are not sure what you're trying to do and are trying to guess. And you know, there's a lot more stuff about like structural issue things and stuff like that. And yeah, with um, VUP, I was working with Ashley Young, who was amazing, but it was like it was quite gentle. Um, there were some things which, like, I think we can cut this paragraph, or um, like I don't know, but like it was mostly like I don't know if this is the right word here, or um, just like, oh, can you explain what you mean by this? But it was it was pretty. I I wouldn't say like I think it was really important, and I think it um like or it was essential. But I, it wasn't like um, it didn't like change the um, book entirely. I think I'd um, like read a lot about like Gordon Lish and how he just like completely changed everything he edited. Like he, he just um, like with Raymond Carvery just cut like he'd cut two thirds of a story, and um, I think I was expecting. I, I didn't expect Ashley Young to be that, but I think I was expecting you know, further towards that than it actually was. Ashley's basically the only editor I've worked with um, substantially because um, she has done the editing for my stories that have been in sport and she also did the editing for um, my essay that was in a book called Headlands that came out with VUP. And, like, she really gets what I'm doing and, um, like, is, is very good at her job and is an amazing writer and like have a lot of respect for her and she is very like she listens to your feedback and your thing and like there was very little where you know like nine out of the ten edits she made I would I would be like yeah that's all good and then there'd be like one where I'm like no actually I do really want to use this word or something like that and she was very receptive to like having a conversation about those sorts of things yeah cool and how long is that process um it's maybe like six weeks or like like maybe even a month it was it was quite short like it was a really tight turnaround because they kind of put me into a because um I released my book with my friend Freya who um, published yeah. book Head Girl at the same time and 
that had kind of been our goal for like about 18 months to publish our books together and Mm. VUP were really receptive to that idea but her book was far closer to being finished than mine was so right um they kind of gave us this like put us in this like really slot and I had to really push it to to finish it but I'm glad I did because I don't think if I didn't have like that that tight deadline maybe it just would never have gotten finished good it, it's, it's, that's amazing you had a dream 18 months ago that ne- that sort of thing never comes together with you and Freya like that's it's like an impossible to to think well for me sitting where I am now I, I look at that and think wow it's amazing yeah well like I guess like both of us had done quite a lot of work together and, and we both read a lot of each other's work and we really thought that it would like the launch would suit each other and because we're like really good friends that we kind of just made it happen and I think just also having the UP just being like yeah that's a great idea let's do that like they're, they're very good at just like enabling your ideas they it, like I think sometimes people have this idea of like publishers or who like that as as like barriers um which I guess like they they can be because if they don't want to publish your work they're definitely a barrier to you getting published but like they they they're, they're doing it because they want these books to get out and they want them to be as good as possible and yeah and um how amazing that you've got a reader so you've got Freya reading for you and someone obviously super capable of um of giving really good good feedback and is there anyone else who read um yeah after and, that or Annalise Jockham's read quite oh, a lot yeah. of it yeah um, yeah like, cause we her did novel Masters Baby to... was amazing sorry yeah. I interrupted you but mm. uh, well we did the Masters together Annalise and I and ah, um, okay. she, like she's the one that I've kept in contact with the most to give some stuff I've I'm like I've had a few writing groups over the years um, I had a, had a very fresh writing group um, which um, like with, with some really talented and great um, writers in it that um, really helped me with like the last two stories that I finished which were um home and flatmates um and that that yeah they helped a lot with that but I didn't have too many readers I think Freya was definitely the main one like she read everything in the book before it was finished and you see it in writing that um that we kind of celebrate from the past and all the writing always comes out of a community of writers it's very rare that I that I think of um, a writer that kind of pops out of nowhere. It just looks like in Wellington from up here in Auckland, that there's a really amazing writing scene. Yeah. Um, is that true? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like, I, I, I completely agree with you. And the idea of, like, lone solo geniuses in any art form, I think, is just complete bullshit. Um, everyone yeah. comes from somewhere where their creativity is nurtured in some way, and everyone... Um, usually is involved in a community which make them better um yeah there is a great writing scene in wellington like i i think a big part of it is like unity books um in wellington they have launches there and like you know i'll go i'll go to maybe a, a launch a month there and you get to yeah. see everyone and then there's places like star um starling which is a journal for young writers um, under 25 I've, I've never been published there because I was always too old but um they've just like nurtured this really amazing scene um of young writers and the IAML of course is a big part of it as well but often people are really involved in the writing community before they even start the IAML um, yeah yeah I think it's like you know you have to have events uh and you kind of have to have central location for events and then oh and then lit crawl is amazing um or verb festival now um which claire maybe runs and that that was awesome because they like validated me as a writer before basically anyone else did i was doing events at lit crawl like before i got like published my fiction got published anywhere and i was doing various things for them for quite a while um, yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think Auckland, like, I think Paula Morris is really trying to kind of like nurture a scene and there's some amazing things that she does, um, to try and, to try and do that. But the nature of Auckland as a city, just, it does make it quite hard. It's, a, it's just a different, 
a different scene in a different setup. Um, yeah, well, yeah, but the the women's bookshop and Unity in Auckland as well, are two places. Um, and then the open book actually has well, they were doing events. Um, um, so uh, the point of view is first person point of view. Now, did you ever think about? writing in third person close or did you it was it's always been in first person yeah um when they were independent short stories there was one that appeared in the book that was in third person and it followed like four characters around um and so i had to sort of turn that into first person which was quite um a challenge uh yeah first person is like my natural way that i start writing um like if I write in third person it's because I've like really in- intended to do that um that might come from stand-up comedy because when you're doing that you you're you know speaking from your own life or like it's assumedly from the person who's on stage talking yeah um, yeah so that's always that might be why but I think even before I did comedy I wrote in first person a lot um, I don't know why it's just the sort of form the, the voice that I fall into I like this book would, would wouldn't work in third person I don't think or it would be really a, quite a different book um yeah it's like I think one thing that um is maybe tricky about first person or just something you have to like consider is like you have to find a way of making um like what the reader knows and understands and kind of the um like kind of what what the what the book is saying is not necessarily the same as what the narrator is saying and if you only have the narrator's voice to say that it's like how do you communicate what the book is saying because like yeah like I th- that was something I thought about quite a lot when writing because I didn't I don't think my narrator is like does all the right things and I think he's like he he's uh, he makes some like big mistakes and I I wanted I did, I was wanted to work out how I could kind of make it clear that I don't believe that while also you know staying true to him as a character couldn't like jump out of his um voice or life to like explain that oh no this is actually a bad thing or no he's he's not doing the right thing here um but, like, maybe that's just me thinking of it too much. And, like, there isn't really a solution to that. It's just something you need to keep thinking about. Yeah, I totally get what you mean. So, like, the author remains, even though it's third person, oh, sorry, even though it's first person, the authorial kind of Eamon Mara is in there trying to craft the writing and the story so that a reader is not just hearing somebody um somebody talk about their life yeah i guess i guess so like but i think that that could be fine too um yeah. i think i just didn't did, like i was just worried that people would be like oh no amon's a dick because his character does this thing <laughs> yeah right yeah 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 um the i think the narrator is perfect and i was thinking about the way it's really um really non-judgmental like you have him as his first person so he's kind of like he's he's kind of unreliable but he is distinctive and he's memorable um but he's not concerned about being brilliant or writerly or like going and doing anything beyond the benefit of the story and i think that's the perfect voice for literature and you've kind of like hit on it (laughs) (laughs) thanks i like that that wasn't really something i thought about like when you said these questions earlier and you're like, oh, he's not judgmental. It's like, oh, is he not, like, really? I guess part of it when I was thinking about, um, like, the writing is because, like, it is all in his voice and it is kind of all... Um, I also think of it as him telling the story. So he's saying the things in order to come across the way he wants to come across while also trying to be honest and true and those sorts of things. So, like... I think there are moments in it where he probably is more judgmental than he comes across in a story. Maybe I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. Like, it's just, it's... So, yeah, I know what you mean. So he's like crafting his own narrative, yeah. Well... And then the author, Eamon, has to kind of like get in there and make sure that his story 
doesn't take over. Yeah, well, like, and it, it probably does at times. And I think, well, like, oh, like, there's definitely a story where he's judgmental because my friend Rod, he, like, is obviously judgmental in that. Um, but he's, like, he's trying oh, yeah. really hard to be even-handed and nice and fair about it. But, um, you know, it's hard work sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So that was that was a character that's really interesting because I read so with my friend Rod and also I thought Toby as well. I feel like he's he's trying really hard not to judge him, and it's like this kind of like um, the the judgment is being kind of kept down inside of him. Um, but you, when you're writing it, maybe you feel like you feel like you're judging him just by paying attention to him. I don't know. Yeah. Well like i guess like repressing emotions is what he does anyway so like you can't just (laughs) like he would never be like i hate this and i love this because he doesn't feel either of those things or he tries not hard to not feel either of those things yeah okay and how long did it take you to get into the like to lock into the idiom of the narrator i kind of found that like I, I won't lie because like that, his voice is very similar to my voice in a lot of ways. I mean, but there are, are definitely some differences that I have come across where I'm like, um, kind of push this thing, um, push some parts of it, um, more, uh, the voice basically came out of, um, the story three pizzas. Cause I wrote that, um, I wrote that a year before I start, I wrote the rest of it, uh, in a right. kind of different, um, in an undergraduate class. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, and like it was very different to the way it was, but like at the time I wrote that story, I was like, "There's something about this that is like that's how I want to keep writing." Like, I don't even think it was the best story that um I I I had in that um in that undergraduate class, but like I really kind of discovered a a sort of all sort of themes and um sort of tone and and sort of this this voice in that story that i you know went on to explore more in the masters and i I think a lot of the masters was actually me trying to get away from that voice for a while like i wrote a bunch of stories that were um in other voices or they were third person or like um from the perspective of like a quite a, a different character and they just weren't as good mostly some of them were fine but they just didn't belong with with this book so okay so you've that was how you you knew the voice you knew the character and you wanted to write in this very specific way and then as you as you go about writing your story and you let your imagination and the language go down does that how it came out mostly or is it in the editing process when you're going line by line that you start to kind of um get the shape of his thoughts and um the editing process was a lot of it was about like making it consistent uh i don't know which where i'd say that like exact like this character exactly came from in terms of um which of the stories kicked it off like because well, three pieces kicked it off but i think um Dog Farm also was a like a pretty major one in terms of um finding that that voice and um syndrome was another major one which I thought was um finding that character and so I think those ones were probably the ones that I based the rest of it off but uh, like I don't know he was he was pretty much there from the writing stage I just had to um had to make sure that he you know, never talked about his emotions or he, um, you know, some of the ways he, he viewed people or um, interacted with his family were kind of consistent across the book. Um, yeah, I think Dog Farm was quite a, um, important one for writing the other ones that have relationships to family later on because, you know you get a sense of what happened growing up a little bit in that story and like it kind of gave a bit of a thing about the relationship between the parents and and um and and his relationship with the parents and i think yeah that had to 
like make sense through the rest of it like somebody who who had that experience would interact with this way with his family cool and i like it how um you're not sympathetic or sentimental about your character um which it would be easy to be i think well on the page i don't think it is yeah um, and it would be easy to be um and think yeah does that something you thought about when you were writing well yeah like i'm surprised at um how much like i don't think he deserves sympathy um i like i think i'm much more judgmental about him than most people are and that's probably because um you know he's he's got a lot of similarities to me and especially like he does some things or like like i think the way he interacts with women especially um is like you know things that i've re- tried really hard to unlearn over time um yeah like kind of and so when it comes to those sorts of things like i don't really think he he deserves sympathy he kind of needs to just do better um and and he's trying to do better but often he's trying to do better for you know some strange reason yeah or some selfish reason yeah like he wants to do better because he wants to be seen as being better um yeah um, but I thought the dialogue in On the Edge of Town was really great and so precise. And you've got a cast of characters in that story as well. Um, how would how did you go about um, crafting the dialogue in that, that story? Um, I find dialogue really hard to write. Uh, I don't... Like, I don't think it comes super naturally to me. Um, I think often because... I write in first person so all dialogue is sort of inherently reported dialogue like of what the through the through the voice of of the or through the narrator um I think it helps that uh and on the edge of the town that you know they're a family and you know I I've seen how families talk to each other from having a family of my own um yeah yeah, like I don't, I don't know exactly how I do it. I mean, it's just, it's quite. That story was like quite f- fun to write, right? Because it like it had obviously ob- some obvious restrictions of. The the location and, the sort of set of characters, um, so like what what can you do with with them? One thing I felt was important with that story before kind of putting it out into the world in the way it is, is I, I, is like, um, so the story home, which comes directly before that in the book, but in, in section two was kind of the last story I wrote. And I kind of wanted, I, I wanted people to already know the mother character before on the edge of town. Like I wanted people to, um, kind of have some idea in their head about like why she's doing that or things like that because like I didn't want her to be come across as like horrible right like like she's she's maybe doing and saying some horrible things but I like Mm. I really I like it's funny when you're talking about like sympathy earlier because like I don't have much sympathy for the narrator at all but like I definitely do for like the other characters in the book um especially the mum and yeah um like the ex-girlfriend in syndrome i listen i um listened to you read for six hours um <laughs> on your youtube that was amazing um, oh, like you could get a job as i've got a two-year-old mm-hmm. and you can come and look after him and read to him for six hours and he would just love it <laughs> um yeah uh but you said that depression like you think about parts one two three which are kind of like act one act two act three so yeah but you've got depression, family, and then I, you weren't quite sure with the third one, but I wrote down, it's kind of the third part is appearing not depressed. So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of more like it. Cause it's, it's not really about recovery. It's more about, um, just trying to move on with your life. Um, rather, um, but I think appearing not yeah. depressed is a good way of putting it. Ordering the short, ordering the stories must've been a massive headache for you. It was always going to be that 2,000 feet above water level was going to be in the middle of the book because, you know, I like it when 
in short story collections when the middle of the book has this like big substantial story in it and that was kind of what i wanted to do um in the editing phase i like a lot of it was like making these connections between these um stories and i kind of started to think of them in, in pairs um and i would usually try and put the pairs on on either side of the book so like kind of trying to balance it and weight it so um like debts and jobs are, are pairs um and like they have a similar structure and um you know like I, I purposefully both ended them with a with a walk um and things like that and then like dog farming syndrome i think of as a pair and um three pizzas and flatmates as a pair as well um yeah and then like then there's some other connections like between home and dog farm um as well so like i wanted there to be this sort of balance and most of the time it was quite apparent which side of the um book they would go and i think the only one that i had um that i sort of flipped around a bit was um three pizzas and flatmates like which side they would go in you're doing this this really clever thing that um it's really hard to do is when you're writing from a child's perspective but without it being childish yeah the book that i read that um kind of informed the tone of that um a bit of sydney bridge upside down yeah um which is a new yeah. zealand book by david ballantyne i think um, yeah and yeah yeah that, that's like definitely like <clears throat> a town a small town just like in the middle of nowhere isolated and the, just the lives of kids there without much um parent interaction and then you know some dark stuff happens and things like that and like because it's an unfamiliar place and from a like unreliable narrator character because he's like young and doesn't quite understand what's going on and like maybe doesn't really kind of want to admit his feelings for his cousin that's there sort of thing it's like yeah yeah it kind of makes it this kind of weird um dark thing which is like so very very new zealand um yeah that's a it's a great book but like yeah, I, yeah. you know I'm, I'm i'm a very urban person um having basically only lived in cities so like can't write something like that but um can write a story about a campsite like my most hated thing in short stories and i like um and like often when people who don't read short stories much like are like oh my god the short story is amazing it's, it's always follows the same the same thing where it's got just like the last half a page has this twist in it that's like oh you have to rethink everything you've read now because you've suddenly got this new piece of information and i just like hate that i hate it so much um and so like i never want to write a story like that i don't like i don't know why i hate it like i'm sure it's it's perfectly fine thing to write but i think it just seems it seems too clever and it seems too much like like why couldn't the author tell you that sooner um like and the the reason they can't is because they want to end with a twist um so having that instinct of knowing when to end is that something that was kind of did you know where to end and i'll talk about the end of the novel or, or the the collect, novel collection thing <laughs> yeah um and you i feel like you're kind of like it's kind of working towards this exalted like raising the language but you fight it back really well and i was thinking you were going to go towards like you know have you read dave egger's heartbreaking work of yeah. staggering genius in the end where they're throwing the frisbee and it's this amazing kind of four pages of throwing a frisbee on a beach yeah <laughs> and what's like the sort of euphoric ending type thing. yeah like uh, staying within that character's voice and experiencing euphoria um or like something like that is um not gonna happen um really but like i think that you know he does have sort of some sort of moment um up up um, on the cliff or or during this walk or like something like that which um but i, I like i i honestly don't really know what it is like i don't and i don't think he i think that's okay i think he he doesn't know what it is i don't i didn't want to be like and then everything was okay in his life from then on because it you know it, it won't be it was just like a moment where um you know he i think he realized that something had had changed and it wasn't the things that he thought 
had changed. Um, it's funny because like a lot of people have, well, not a lot of people, but a, cu- a couple of people that have talked to me about the book have mentioned um, Jesus Son by Dennis Johnson um, because I think that does a similar thing with short stories that um, you know can be read as a novel. Um, and then they always kind of apologize when they say that about like, oh, but you know, like I think to try and maybe to like not try and make me feel like oh they don't think that I've just like stolen this format which um I, to- <laughs> I totally have um <laughs> but I like I, I've, yeah. I've done different stuff with it but um the ending of my book I want I like I really wanted to have a similar tone to the final story in um in Jesus' son where he's now working at this um retirement home and he has a girlfriend and um and he yeah he kind of like it's maybe it's a little bit further on than the rest of the stories and it's like he doesn't have his life together but it's going fine and you know you have these kind of moments of of niceness or um things like that and it's all but it's like at the same time it's really creepy because um the narrator what's his name in the book um fuckhead i've only read one of those stories oh, yeah. i think it's the one where they're where they're really drunk oh no they're they're on drug they're on pills <laughs> and they he kills or he finds a, a rabbit or they run a rabbit over or something he's got oh, baby yeah. rabbits in yeah. his jumper <laughs> um, oh, yeah. um yeah it's, it's, it's a great book i was really um it was really sad when he died because he was meant to come to the auckland writers festival and then that got cancelled and i wasn't going to the Auckland Writers Festival that year but, but I was like oh great it's been cancelled so he'll come back next time and then he died right. like a month later and it's like oh that's that sucks I shouldn't have been happy that the event got cancelled <laughs> but yeah. um yeah like I, I wanted that that was the vibe I wanted from yeah from it um and I think it's totally fine to read something and being like oh that does that well how can I do that yeah you just find um new things to say with the yeah. or like new ways of saying the old things or n- new mm. things to say in uh, old styles um yeah. yeah there are two two stories in the book that are um like that when i wrote them i had a short story in mind and then tried to like follow that exact structure um which um I, I'm happy saying what they are because like so Jobs when I wrote that I um, yeah. was really into the story The School by Donald Barthelme yeah um, yeah I taught that as well uh, that's funny have you have you read the George Saunders essay about that story yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I taught those in conjunction yeah, yeah. I, I had them when, when you do the IAML Masters you do like a reading packet about like an idea and I had those two in that but like yeah with debts when I wrote debts I was like trying to just basically recreate the the like things of the school raising like, the stacks yeah, yeah so like the step the step the, instead, of, instead of deaths it's deaths mm. um and like <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't go like in the school it doesn't go like bigger 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 it's like goes bigger bigger oh smaller and then bigger and then like up like that and that's yeah. like the perfect way to raise action and then oh yeah three pizzas um right was um uh, based on in the cemetery where Al Jolson is buried by um, Amy Hempel, right? Where um, like I think that was in a in a less um, exact way, um, right? Where, like when I wrote debts, I like you know went through it almost line by line. Um, where, yeah. But like in the cemetery where Al Jolson is buried, has this great thing where there's this like idea of like death and fear that she doesn't really want to talk about and like is going through and like suddenly these other things sort of things just like jump up and and appear um right and that's kind of what i wanted to do with three pizzas where it's just like the sort of like question of kind of what's happening um and is because like uh, i don't know if i want to say exactly because like I, I tried i didn't write like kind of what it was about about um, and like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say exactly what I, what I think it's about. Yeah, yeah. Like this idea yeah, of yeah. like jumping between all these things, which are kind of about something, but not about it. Yeah. 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 But the point, I think the point is, and I get, I totally get your point is that, um, when you are writing the idea that you just 
sit down with a blank page in your imagination then just creates something is totally false like you need you need structures and scaffolds and you need to be paying attention to how somebody has done a thing like um Anne Enright is a writer who I am often kind of reading and rereading her work and just think like trying to figure out how she did it (laughs) like how did she keep me so engrossed yeah Um, I still haven't figured it out but um it's hard yeah and like um, yeah I'm a real um kind of nerd for structure when it comes into writing um and comedy as well um I like thinking about how something sort of unfolds and um you know is built and and that's yeah that's kind of yeah, yeah. what I put a lot of work into and then you kind of fill in, fill in the details later I thank god you didn't try and write like a self-help <laughs> book or anything like that and you don't ever fall into the trap of trying to kind of sermonize or trying to help people um that is it a conscious thing or did you have to like control yourself and be like you know what i'm not gonna not gonna turn this into self-help i'm not gonna use the language of psychology uh i'm in no position to help other people (laughs) that's 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 it um i don't know how to how to fix anyone's life um and like sermon, like you know, I've I've got a, a sense of be- beliefs and and ethics and morals and things, but like it's kind of boring telling other people how to think or what to think. You just have to kind of give them um some information, and they do it themselves. And there's you know there's ways of manipulating people um to to, to get on side. Um, which is like that's the job of a of a fiction writer, right? It's like it's all about manipulating people to feel an emotion, um, and like once you kind of discover how they've tricked you into doing that, then you um, stop liking their writing. Like that's what happened with Jonathan Safran Foer. It's like oh shit, he's <laughs> just been like tricking me this whole time. Like these books, yeah. yeah 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 i remember the same feeling when i don't even know when it was i think it was after um i can't even remember when it was but i went and saw the black keys who i really loved their cover version i think it was called like chihaluma of the blues guitarist um named junior kimbrough and i loved that and i loved um their album brothers and then i went and saw them at whatever it's called now vector arena I think it was then and they were doing all these rock poses and like it was just like hang on a minute this you guys are just kind of like painting by numbers you're just painting in the um yeah what you think a rock show is supposed to be and whatever like yeah yeah but, I, I don't know i might have been in a bad place at the time as well so and at <laughs> the same just time whatever. like you know like I, re- well, I remember when the black keys were kind of seen as like oh they're kind of like an alternative white stripes um, yeah, but then, you know, they they blew up and became this massive rock band. But there would be like people who went to that show who were like there to see an arena rock show, and the Black Keys totally delivered that. Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah, I like going to shows where there's sort of a level of intimacy and authenticity, and um, you know, you feel this connection with um, a performer. But like, if you're a touring artist um or even like you know I'm, I'm speaking that way about about music but or that's the same way about like a theater show or stand-up comedy um yeah and once you've or a done novel. It 50 times you can't bring that like authenticity and honesty and things like that to um to to an audience anymore like you just like it, you can't do that but you can bring the exact same performances you would bring if you were bringing that authenticity and honesty and and connection and being there in the moment um and like but like if you're at a doing an arena show like there's just no way you can feel like an intimate like an intimate crowd right like it's it's a, it's a different yeah. thing yeah yeah and when you approach the page for writing as well i think that's so true that you can feel it if it's not being written down truthfully or authentically um, and someone is trying to kind of force a thing. I feel like you, it's it becomes really obvious really quickly. 
and you learn that I think in doing a, a master's course where you read so many other people's writing and and so many writers at the start of their careers where they're trying to figure out who they are and what kind of a writer they are yeah. um, and it's a real privilege to be exposed to that I'm, I'm really like it's it's interesting because I, I had this um strong idea about um mental health and economics and um sort of you know jobs and and that, that kind of thing um when I was writing it and like kind of one thing that I I didn't want people to read into it was like oh this is a a, a story about a, a single person's depression like mental health like where it um turns a discussion about mental health from a um something that is you know about about a societal thing and turns it into a personal issue which is like so many so much art about mental health does exactly that where it's like here's this one person's struggle and um so i wanted to kind of make it as much about like being poor and having a bad job and um and those sorts of things as possible and like very hard not to make him be like oh i don't have a job that's why i'm sad or um right you know yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this job makes me feel bad um for that reason but like um i was quite um happy that the blurb that's on on the it's not on the back of the book i think it's on the inside cover but like yeah it um it's got a line on it about like late capitalism which i didn't write um it right. was written by william brandt who um and oh, yeah in the um when he marked my thesis that line came from that um but like i'm glad that that's there and that i didn't specifically say it myself because like that's kind of what i think a lot of the book is about um but it was nice that i didn't have to explicitly tell people that um personally and it's been cool because that's how a lot of people have been reading it as well which has been nice like the discussion about the book isn't about a single person it's about this is like a generational experience i remember um studying the great gatsby at university um, mm. which I think is, like, an amazing book to study. I know that yeah. it's a bit of a cliche to do that, but, like, kind of one of the um, interesting things about that is, like, reading it knowing that the financial crisis is going to hit in, like, two yeah. years' time. And it was written, you know, it was written as a contemporary book in, in the 20s, um, and it's this book about excess, and it's a book about, like, class and and all these different types of things that, like, become very relevant when you um, think of them in, in terms of what's coming next and you know maybe books that are coming out at the moment or that have just come out will be read in the future in the same way book book acknowledges tangata whenua or aotearoa katie wakefield makes the art glenn prins makes the music sam lily answers the phone And I'm John Prince. Thank you.